This podcast is proudly supported by the post-production facility, Red Lab. Red Lab. See where your ideas can go. This episode is proudly presented by the Directors Guild of Canada in Ontario. DGC Ontario. Creativity lives here. Welcome to Women on Screen Out Loud, giving a platform to women in the film industry who challenge, motivate, and inspire on all sides of the camera. We are your hosts, Lara Jean Korostecki and Jennifer Pogue. Rising star writer and director Molly McGlynn has rocketed her way into the film and television world. She is one of the most in-demand directors in the Canadian landscape today. Along with her successes, she has been transparent in divulging the difficulties and countless rejections she has encountered along her path. In her personal essay, Becoming the Thing, Molly speaks candidly of her experiences, tools for professional building and growth, and observations she has noted along the way. A few years ago, I wrote an article called Rejection is How You Become a Filmmaker that seemed to resonate. I think that was owing to the fact that I was honest about facing a lot of professional rejection and have nonetheless figured out a way to become what I want to be, a working director and sometimes writer. I expressed the manic cycle of despair and self-doubt that got me here. But where is here? It is paying my rent, having some money in the bank, options of jobs to choose from at times, and a feature film that I am proud to say was pretty well received by audiences and critics. You know where else is here? It's being fucking terrified by the pressure to maintain all of it and not knowing if I'm doing it the right way or what comes next. But this isn't why I wanted to write this piece. I wanted to write this to those people who have reached out and asked for advice or guidance or coffee to help them get to a similar place. Look, I still consider myself pretty early in my career, and there's a lot I don't know. But I've also had some incredible opportunities that I'm aware have not been afforded to everyone. Here are some things that have worked for me. I have had some amazing mentors and supporters in my life. I went through a period of asking established women who I wanted to be like out for coffee, like Tassie Cameron, who replied to my periodic emails, God bless her. They were and are amazing people. However. No one you have coffee with knows your past, what your abilities are, or what your goals are. Only you do. If you do ask someone to share their time, please be specific about what you are looking for help with. Help people help you. If you are looking for funding for a short or information on certain programs, please Google that shit. If you have a specific ask or an area you need help with, that's great. I would love to see how I can help you. Part of me thinks I spent so much time asking for other people's guidance because I wanted to avoid what I already know I needed to do. I like what Ava DuVernay once said on this. All of the time you're spending trying to get someone to mentor you, trying to have a coffee, all of the things we try to do to move ahead in the industry is time that you're not spending working on your screenplay, strengthening your character arcs, setting up a table read to hear the words, thinking about your rehearsal techniques, thinking about symbolism in your production design, your color palette, all the time you're focusing on trying to grab, you're being so desperate and you're not doing. You have to be doing something because all of the so-called action that you're doing is hinging on someone doing something for you. You don't need to find an agent right this second. You need to make stuff. 
the agent will find you and their job will be to negotiate further work on your behalf and in Canada, function a little bit more like a manager. If you do have an agent, I can't stress this enough, read your contracts. If you are not a straight white male who has received an opportunity of some sort, chances are you'll deal with a microaggression at some point. It's saying, they're only hiring women right now, or they're only hiring diverse. From my experience, when someone says that, it makes me feel like I'm not capable as a writer or director. It undermines my talent and hard work and replaces it with my capital F femaleness over all else. You know what does not help me with a shot list? Thinking about my boobs. Look, I have come up at a time where people are actively looking for female directors who may be less experienced than some. I am aware of that. What is not going to happen is that I make a whole career from just being a quota. If I can't hold my own on set, I am probably not going to be invited back. I have had bad days on set where I have doubted if I should be doing this. It is extremely hard, especially in TV, to navigate the levels of producers, showrunners, actors, crew, etc., etc. What I try to hold on to at the end of the day is something, one thing, that I did really well and that I'm proud of. I focus on what I know I am good at. Some of the other stuff that I felt less confident about knowing is stuff I can learn along the way. Generally, people respond pretty favorably if you ask them to explain the details of their job or share their knowledge, but at the right time. Don't offer to be someone's assistant for free. Ask to be their assistant, but expect to be paid. Trust me, I've been an assistant, and you really need to get paid. Not everyone is going to like you. This is a hard one that I'm still struggling with. Also, who cares? Stop saying just in emails to soften your request, as in, I'm just wondering if you have time to, but do always say thank you. Also, do not have an inspirational quote in your signature. No one cares if you shoot for the moon and land on the stars. Most people want to feel like they're contributing something. They want to collaborate and feel involved. Directing is this weird thing where you're walking this tightrope between pushing for what you want and also needing to be open to what is right in front of you. You may have spent five hours the night before coming up with an elaborate blocking and a shot list, and all it takes is literally one actor telling you he or she does not want to do that. They explain why, and it can very often be right. Always put the story first, not some unnecessary shot you want on your director's reel. Choose your moments. Feel free to wear a message t-shirt on set. Lately, I've been wearing Satan is a woman. It really sets the tone. Meditate if you can, even on lunch for five minutes. If you can't do that, stare at a wall and take a deep breath. On the topic of lunch, eat some fucking salad and then 47 tiny red velvet cupcakes that you inevitably stuff in your mouth on a night shoot. Get a subscription to Masterclass. It's kind of expensive, but if I know you or you give me a cupcake, I'll probably give you my login. While you're there, check out Ron Howard's class on directing and be mesmerized with the ease and fluidity he can block and shoot with two cameras. It looks easy, but it is not. Don't be afraid to think outside the box when it comes to inspiring actors. Heard a song that reminds you of a character? Send it to them. I think I'm still trying to untrain myself from this fear-based rigidity I started off with. 
I was so paralyzed by my fear of failing and making a mistake that I didn't allow for creative freedom and play. Actors are people, very often very beautiful people. They want to be involved. Try to remember people's names. When blocking, try to place the props where you are trying to get the actors to be. The blocking will very likely fall into place more naturally. The sound guy or gal needs to be heard too. Pun intended. Thanks for recording this, John. For women and women-identifying directors, you can look however the fuck you want. Some days I want to wear a blundstone and a giant black sweatshirt, and other days I'm wearing a bold lip. Show people what a director looks like. You can be, wait for it, proud of yourself, even though your childhood still has you in therapy. You're doing better than you think. Have a sense of humor about the whole thing while realizing every minute you shoot costs a tremendous amount of money and everything, including your career, is on the line. Life is a paradox. Your Instagram doesn't matter. If you enjoy posting and interacting with people on there to a reasonable degree, that's great. Go for it. But what it won't do is make you a better actor, writer, or director, or even a better human being. Overall, the thing you can do to become the thing is do the damn thing. There is no other secret. Maybe you'll go to Sundance. I don't know. Maybe the only other person who will see it is your mom, if you're lucky enough to have a mom. You can never know, but what you can do is say, I did that. I made that thing. I am the thing. You will feel 10 times better making a bad short film than wondering if you could have been a director one day while staring at your sad roast beef sandwich in a food court in an insurance claims building north of the city. Just start. I am doing the same thing every day, hoping it adds up to something. Coming up, Lara Jean Korostecki and writer-director Molly McGlynn delve deeper. They explore the inspirations behind Molly's advice for aspiring filmmakers seeking guidance. Creativity lives here. Inspiration lives here. Imagination lives here. The Directors Guild of Canada in Ontario. They can't wait to meet you. Follow the Directors Guild of Canada in Ontario on social media at Ontario DGC. Your light and I—it's not. Sorry, I just need to move this. I think it's distracting you. Here, you can switch it off. That's good. I just didn't want to distract you. What are you doing? Do you want to switch it off? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Better. Hi, Molly. Welcome to the Red Lab Digital Studios. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here and drink your coffee. That was an extremely entertaining essay. I was really happy to be here while you recorded it, having lots of laughs behind the scenes. You actually spoke in your essay about the balance between having a sense of humor and realizing the weight of a production and the responsibility that rests on your shoulders. How do you find that you balance that? Are there any specific techniques or anyone on set that you rely on? I don't really have specific techniques, but just as a guiding principle in my life, I think humor has really saved me through the darkest times. And certainly it's a a coping mechanism. I also have a theory that people who work in production have had difficult childhoods, that they are 
not not doing penance for, but very often on production, I feel like people come from interesting backgrounds because it is it's really hard. That being said, I think you find a lot of resilient people in production. But yeah, a sense of humor is everything. I'm from an Irish Catholic family. It's, you know, very much Murphy's Law. Anything that can go wrong will, which is an excellent thing to keep in mind when you prep for a shoot. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I had a scene on Bad Blood with Lisa Berry, who I think you guys are talking to. And we are running into overtime and we shot the scene in a garage and she's supposed to walk out of a garage and the door goes down and I have like 10 minutes to shoot it and the garage door breaks like we shot <sighs> for an hour in there no problems and what do you do because the crew is just staring at you that's the scene the showrunner is not on set so you know at a certain point you have to just laugh about it and cut the scene and change it and it's all fine we also shoot in Canada so sometimes you're standing outside and it's you know minus 20 and people just want to go home I just really want people to enjoy themselves on set. People spend so much time away from their partners and friends and family. Like, it just doesn't need to be a scary place. It can be a place that people feel seen and heard and can laugh. I love that. I also think about when it's minus 30 as an actor. My favorite is pretending that it's not. Absolutely. Yeah, my first minus 30 scene in the beginning of my career in film and TV was pretending like I was able to be in spring clothes. Oh my God. Actors, yeah, I empathize with some of the wardrobe you're put in <laughs> in this weather. But yeah, the, the whole thing is just like kind of drop your shoulders and pretend yeah. you're not cold. Drop your shoulders and rely on your hot shots yeah. that they give you to keep you warm. Yeah. I was meditating after I read your essay on this bullet point you have about allowing yourself to feel proud despite the internal voice of past experience that may teach you not to show that pride. Do you think this is a common struggle among artists in general, that lack of being able to display pride? No, because I know some people who seem very comfortable in some of their <laughs> pride, and that's great. And I, I find myself sometimes when people are super confident or super proud to I can get my back up and feel a little judgmental but why you know is that just reflecting something in me that doesn't allow myself to feel proud of my accomplishments I do think there is a fine line though and I am always wary of artists who feel satisfaction because I think some of the best writers directors actors I know are living in a space where they're they're satisfied there's always a but though, you know, or they go home and they think about it. To me, that's someone who is like truly invested in their craft. I think that leads really nicely into talking about things that we've discovered on this podcast, speaking to other awesome women in the industry who have brought up the idea of continuing to always explore and push for growth, even in the slower times and especially at the early stages of your career. Do you find the more time that you take for personal growth, the richer your work becomes? That's a very timely question because I'm really struggling with that right now. I've had an exceptionally busy year or two where I haven't really slowed down. And I always tell people that I work with to um, remember to have a life because what can you draw on if you don't travel, if you don't have relationships with people outside of the industry? But at the same time, I'm you know, struggling with finding that time and space and in an interview a few weeks ago in LA, someone I was meeting with uh, potential managers and someone said, what are your hobbies? And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> what is this hobby you speak of? 
And they were kind of prepping me for meetings. Like when you have general meetings, people will want to know, who are you? Like, what do you do when you're not shooting? And I think we can allow ourselves that space. And I'm, I'm trying to figure out what that is. But uh, what I will try to do is prioritize my family and friends who truly do not give a shit if I make something great or terrible. They are invested in me as a person. And it is crucial that you have those people around because... I mean, you're you're on top one day and then you're crying on the floor the next. <laughs> <laughs> that also leads into talking about how you learn to accept that not everyone is going to like you, which I thought was such a great piece of advice just for life. What have you found is your biggest obstacle to achieving that Zen on set? Or is there an obstacle to achieving that Zen or do you just kind of let it slide? Again, part of me writing this advice was reminders to myself. What I have realized, and maybe something women feel, is when you kind of take inventory at the end of the day, have you utterly exhausted yourself trying to entertain people, make them feel like you didn't ask too much, et cetera, et cetera? So it's like, I'm starting to think of how do I save 10% more energy? I think you should you should make people feel you know, uh, welcome and all of that. And that does take some energy. But um, what I'm trying to do is like when I'm talking to a crew member and I'm saying, I'd like this for tomorrow, please and thank you. And then walk away. You don't need to justify. Again, it's just, I did it right in that sentence. (laughs) Uh, I said it in the advice, avoid saying just if you can. I'm trying to be polite, but not bend over backwards. I love your advice about taking risks and thinking outside the box with freedom and play. How do you work to untrain yourself from operating from a place of fear? I think it's so hard for us as artists. Yeah, it's I can be intimidated by people I work with sometimes, but I with actors in particular, you kind of have to assess quickly how they work. Some actors don't need to know where they are in the story arc more experienced actors, for instance. Other people can, you know, when you're kind of cross-boarding and you're shooting all over the place, then they may want to be reminded. So I find that I'm trying to use a little more radical honesty. Like, for instance, I was working with Kim Coates on Bad Blood, very experienced actor. Like, I think I said to him when I first met him, you have more credits on IMDb than I have years alive. So I'm not going (laughs) to pretend that I have been on set more than you, but what I want to do is be really fucking prepared with the script, show up, give you ideas. If you like them, we use them. And that was kind of how we started our relationship. And I found it super collaborative and reciprocal and all of that. But I think maybe there was a version a year or two ago, someone like him who's got, you know, a very strong personality, a lot of presence. Uh, I may have just kind of shut down a little bit. Mm. And then they feel your fear and then they get weird. So just be honest. (laughs) It's great advice for life. Just just be be radically honest. But confident too. Like people want to trust you. So it's like what I don't have in IMDb credit length is preparation, intelligence, all of that. You're also quite an accomplished writer, even though in your essay you called yourself a sometimes writer which is being a little modest. Well, I wrote this essay to procrastinate writing a script. That's why I was hard (laughs) on myself there. Uh, Do you find that this writing skill aids you in your directing work? Does it give you a different perspective? 
I do. And I have been asked that question when I'm interviewing to direct TV. And sometimes people will worry that maybe I'm going to feel like I should be more involved in the script. But no, like I have my hat for each job. But what I think is my strength is that in TV, I look at a script. I always put story first. I do the script analysis. I don't just start randomly shot listing it. I always prioritize the writer. You've begun to work in TV quite a bit now. Can you speak at all to the differences you found in the mediums? Is there something that excites you more or not even more, but what excites you about each medium when you look at doing your first feature? Congratulations, by the way. Mary Goes Round was amazing. And then when you look into TV, what excites you about each? I'm always happy to be shooting. What I will say is that TV is really hard and it's a whole other ballgame. I... I'm still new at it. I've done like a couple of half hours and I just finished two one hours of Bad Blood and I'm going back to do some half hours. So I don't have years of experience. I noticed a shift going from half hour to one hour. It is tremendous what you have to shoot in um, a couple of weeks for a one hour. And I was prepared for the speed, but you you just have no idea how fast it is. And So you kind of have to operate in like a very Buddhist end space of like non-attachment in a lot of ways because you just have to roll with the punches, but also steer a really expensive and enormous ship of people who very often you had no say in hiring. So what I found different about my indie work is you can work with your friends and it's so fun and you're all in this together, but there is different politics and interpersonal dynamics in TV that um, not only is the work hard, but you maybe are dealing with people who you would never hire in a million years or, (laughs) you know, all of that. I am going to ask you a last question that that goes back to the personal life. Molly, what are your hobbies? Oh, no. What are my hobbies? I am. What am I trying to do? My hobbies, honestly, like are very simple. I'm really burnt out right now. So I live by High Park. I'm there twice a day with my dog. My dog is everything. I try to exercise. I'm trying to cook like very, very simple things because I've been away for almost two months at this point. And, you know, your body gets hit pretty hard after living in a Radisson for Oh, five don't weeks. I know it. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> in terms of my hobbies, it's um, less a hobby and more just trying to slow down and be a person. Well, I hope you get some great time of rest. That is very, very deserved after all your hard work. Thank you so much for coming in today. I loved your essay. So nice to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Molly McGlynn is a writer and director based in Toronto and Los Angeles. Molly McGlynn's short films, I Am Not a Weird Person, Shoes, and Three-Way Not Calling achieve critical acclaim. Her first feature film, Mary Goes Round, premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival in 2017. She recently directed the award-winning digital comedy series How to Buy a Baby, as well as episodes of CBC Comedy's Workin' Moms, Little Dog, and most recently, season two of the crime drama Bad Blood. Molly is an alumni of the Canadian Film Centre, the Reykjavik International Film Festival Talent Lab, the Samsung TIFF Emerging Director Program, and the TIFF Studio. Be sure to check out future episodes of Women on Screen Out Loud wherever you get your podcasts. And check out upcoming events and initiatives from Women on Screen at womenonscreen.ca. Until next time, I'm Largene Korstecki. I'm Jennifer Pogue. And we are Women Women on on Screen. Screen. 
Women on Screen Out Loud was recorded at the post-production facility Red Lab. This project was created and produced by Lara Jean Korstecki and Jennifer Pogue, with sound engineering and editing by John Lawless and original music by Erica Percunier. This podcast would not be possible without the support of Women on Screen founders Lauren McKinley, Farah Marani, and Kira Murphy. This has been a Women on Screen production.